back and crikey what a ton to digest from the summer thus far. Where to begin? The Brazilian Prince Willian returns, Silva stays, Hudson Adoy, Morato and Saliso constantly rumoured, Bassi on the way beating Brentford 3-2 in Fulham Delphia. Welcome Raul, Jimmy Nesbitt and of course a big potential maybe, maybe not farewell to the one and only Alexander Mitrovic. Yes, as we wave goodbye to a legend who to some is no longer a legend as he deserts cottages for the desert and a money oasis. We'll start there with a range of opinions on these matters. With me are Morgan Carlton and Matthew Reese baldwin I'm J-Mac and this is the return of your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Right, lads, it's... It's been a very long time. It's been about two or three months, really. Um, we all look a bit older, um, a bit more, I don't know, decayed slightly. I just I can see your faces right now. I'll go to Baldo. How have you been, mate? Because I think uh, some congratulations are in order on your nuptials. I mean, it's uh, a really courageous and really wonderful thing and brave thing that your wife has done. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it's a brave thing she did. I made the smart, I made the smart decision. Um, yeah, so I got married. Oh, crying. Two weeks ago, has we recorded? Oh, it's so been two yeah. weeks already. I believe that. It's felt a lot longer just to get all those jokes out of the way. But no, if anyone knows, you know, we met online during the pandemic. It's been a three year process and just to have this all come to an end is fantastic. It hasn't come to an end yet, mate. It's Give really it at least a year. <laughs> well, the, the, the hard bit of actually getting married. Oh, is, is oh yeah, that's definitely the hard bit. Now the next, yeah. yeah now the next hard bit is um, uh, trying to get a work permit, being able to live over here. So that's the next step. So I'm currently unemployed. So I've got a lot of time. So I've got a lot of time on my hands, which I imagine with most Fulham fans is just spent refreshing Twitter, waiting for the inevitable to come through, which we're yeah. going to talk about. But yeah. Other than that, it's other than that, it's been a pretty quiet summer. Let's put it that way. Nice one. And Morgs, how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm fine. I've, you know, I'm just plodding along merrily as can be. Uh, schools broke up, so now I have a six-year-old running around the house, and so that's 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 as much fun as you can imagine. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, cracking on with life and uh, refreshing Twitter, uh, waiting for <laughs> things to come in to say that Metro has turned down. The, the millions on offer in the yeah. in the Camel League to stay well, with let's, us. Well, let, let's start with let's start with the desert and the desert the deserter. We know the general story. We know what's happened, but now it's just more a case of what our thoughts on it are. A lot of people are finding this really hard to digest. Some people have already now pretty much mentally withdrawn themselves from liking Mitrovic at all. It's a weird one. I'll just go straight back to you with that, Morgs, and where you're feeling with this. If you're, um, yeah. <laughs> I have I kind of got two different feelings on A Mitra and B the whole Saudi thing. I mean, I'm I'm fairly anti-Saudi at the best of times. Uh, the Mitro one, look, he is st- uh, stuck with us through two relegations. He is given us some of the best times watching Fulham. And it's kind of, you know, he never wanted to leave because he was settled here. And the only thing that was going to make him leave was something astronomical. And I think when you're 28 years old, you're probably not going to get your shot at Champions League team at this point. And they come along with an offer of, what, 400, 500 grand a week or something stupid. And you go, 
I'm 28. I've got a couple of years left on my contract. I've got a family. I've got this. This is going to be the best move for my future. Um, you know, I get that why you'd want to make that move. And I'm guessing sort of the the cultural issue isn't as much of a big deal um, for him. But I do think the way that he's gone about it is not right. And the way that he's conducted himself. Or, you know, perhaps it's his agent. You know, all these stories that come out on, you know, Sky Sports News. I mean, my God, they peddle some shit on that channel. But the fact that they're coming out, you know, oh, he, his friends have uh, said this or this, that and the other. It's like, no, his agent has said this. Yeah. It's gotta be Zahavi. I mean, the guy must be absolutely wetting his pants over the thought of 10, 15% on that Saudi salary coming in. It's just the way it's going to go for the next couple of years. I don't know. I, you know, We're seeing all this. They're saying that you know they have um, their plan A, plan B and plan C set up in Saudi. And they've come out of, you know, they haven't come out of nowhere, obviously, because they've been buying up things left, right and centre. But plan A is to buy the grade A players on these ridiculous wages, ridiculous money, um, throw them in this farmer's league where the quality is god-awful. And rather than actually sort of developing a decent business plan, they're just trying to do the glitz and glamour. Okay. Mm. But you can't, you know, if I... Uh, Jordan Henderson's a prime example. Guy's got 700 grand a week. I mean, that's just a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, he's going back on any moralistic things he's had in recent times, but the Metro one, he doesn't lose his legendary status as a Fulham player for me, but as a person, you know, you kind of... When he's gone, we'll miss the fact he was there, but the reason he's gone sort of taints his legacy somewhat. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on this, Border? I mean, uh, as Morgan alluded to, it feels like the Saudis are basically just to seeing which will stick. You've got Lewandowski, you've got Mbappe, you've got Griezmann, Mitrovic. They can't have them all. So there is a likelihood that maybe, actually, this deal might fall through and Mitro could have a bit of egg on his face with this. There is. And I think my just the overall thoughts of the Mitrovic situation is... It really all comes down to the order in which it happened. Like, I think many many of us would have understood if Harry Kane got his move to Manchester United, say, right. for 100 million, just theoretical, and Tottenham Hotspur came along with a seven, you know, with a 60 million pound bid to say, you know, to replace Harry Kane, we're coming with Mitrovic. I think most Fulham fans probably would have said, yeah, that's fine, that's the natural progression of things, you know, go on like that. If it, if it had gone like that, I think most people would have gone with good wishes. But it was the fact that the first thing is, you know, the Saudis came in with whatever the initial offer is, and then Mitrovic immediately kicked up a fuss from there. That's where, it, again, if it was a thing of, oh, no, we're going to let you go, sometimes you get there, and Mitrovic said, okay, fine, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to let this play out. I'd like to stay, but if you want to let me go for the good of the club to get 50-odd million and to get wages of the bill, then, then that's fine with me. But it's the fact that he has done it, and it has all happened in this order, that I think has left a lot of people, you know, because it then gives us the, you know, the scenario. That's where I think it has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think. Yeah. Again, if it had come, if it had come a different way and everything had just gone a little bit more naturally, shall we say, I think a lot more Fulham fans would have been pretty accepting. But the mm. way it's come about, you can understand again. Echoing Morgan, he's still a Fulham legend. You know, I'm not, I'm not in the process of burning any shirts right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I can understand why some people might think no. I'm done with him because of the way he's acting. I mean, people have always very 
short memories as Morgan said we he has a very rich history for what he's done for us with the goals and staying with us through two relegations but uh, the plan was to actually record this pod as we've expected it to be a goodbye Mitrovic pod uh, an official and it hasn't actually happened yet so we've now decided to do it because we've got our first signing in which we'll come to later on but what I will say is Morgan do you think there's any way that Mitrovic can actually come back from this you look at examples of the past of players that have wanted to leave Gerard maybe at, uh, Liverpool for Chelsea I think it was Kane as uh, Baldo alluded to to Man City from Tottenham is there any way back for Mitrovic if suddenly he decides to sign a new deal as unlikely as it does seem at the moment with him still liking all those fucking Instagram photos oh, absolutely I think you know there there's a very good chance that he'll stay and the only person that or the only people that he's got to um, you know, make peace with are Silver and his team and the the players. And if you watched him on whatever night it was, Sunday, uh, during yeah. the Brentford game, there was nothing there to suggest that he's fallen out with any of them. I'm sure that a few of them look at him and go, you're being a bit of a twat. But we kind of understand this is a business. You know, you're, you've got a few years left at your peak. Why not go and earn you know, huge amounts of money. It's going to take a lot more to get the fans on side. And the only way that he could do that, if he were to stay, is score goals. And football fans are fickle as fuck. We all know that. And, you know, we will more than likely be chanting his name after three games when he's scored a hat-trick against Luton or whatever. You know, another last-minute winner against Brentford. Um... He's just um, got to tap that badge again, hasn't he? Or it's just got to, yeah. Or, it's just sort of yeah. like you know, it's like the uh, it sort of evacuates all the bad feelings when he taps that badge after scoring last minute winner. Sure. We kind of, as fans, we need to not forgive and forget, but we need to be understanding of where these players are. And <clears throat> I think the the Saudi that's got an onslaught has the potential to really screw up a lot of players mentally. I, I want to just sort of bring this topic up. It sort of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about, Baldo, and Morgs can chime in as well, is that there used to be a really good time for Fulham. There still is, because we managed to keep hold of William. But like when you would have players in their 30s, and it would be nice a luxury to get a player like that, but it would still go quite well, like with Willian or like with Berbatov or Karagounis in the past. It's now quite a worry that you've got Saudi Arabia taking all these players, uh, which actually quite nice and luxurious for smaller clubs like us or, or just having such good prestigious players for the history books you know what I'm trying to say so it, it's it actually makes things quite difficult looking into the future because I don't think we could sign a Willian in the future the way things are going I mean like you've got Saudi and Mane now going over there potentially it, it looks like um, those days might be numbered in terms of getting older better players do you see what I'm saying yeah I see what you're saying that is, that is though assuming that the Saudi league continues the way the way it did like or the way or the way that it is like we don't like how long is this saudi arabia project likely gonna last? it could be two to three years and then they realize it's unsustainable and everything just goes back to like china to a to, to a smaller extent they had a couple of players not quite in the same uh, amount that the saudi league has but again china was there it was always you know a threat for some players and then just kind of went away mm. It could be the same with Saudi Arabia. It could be a two or three year. I don't think it's anything to worry about right, right now, whether or not it's a long-term thing. Yes, it's a bit of a panic right now. Um, you know, you start to think, why are we the ones being being targeted? Like, you can make the argument, 
why aren't Saudi Arabia going after Thomas Frank, yep. for instance? Like, what what is it with Marco Silva? Why? I mean, they finished above us in the league. Surely that's what you want to be want to be getting. So maybe we're just unlucky in that in that sense in the fact that it's our manager and our arguably. Are you, I mean, one, I, I just try, I will chime in quickly because uh, the Chinese league, uh, the the big issue that rose there. I mean, the whole idea about bringing in players like you know Oscar Tevez, uh, Fellaini, and all that they were on, they were on bigger wages arguably than the Saudis are offering um they were brought in and then for some reason despite the fact it was uh Xi Jinping's kind of idea because he wanted China to you know have a football powerhouse in order to sort of push for like World Cup by 2050 or whatever it was they the government then put a hundred percent tax on player signings so that whenever a player was signed for say 20 million the club then had to basically double it in order to pay the government so the whole uh, structure of it fell apart quite quickly. And there's still a few sort of players that have sort of lingered there because they were on three, four-year contracts. But you're right, it, that's kind of fallen apart. Whereas in Saudi, they don't have that thing. They're not a communist country or pseudo-communist or whatever you want to call it. They're not, they don't pay income tax. There are, you know, they basically have uh, more money than God. And they will put this in until they get bored because... Let's not kid ourselves. This is a toy for them. And, much, and they want to be seen as a powerhouse in basically everything. But it's all about the look. Now, if these players uh, don't bring the sort of the, uh, the, the, not the gratitude per se, but the sort of the glitz and glamour that they're prestige. expecting, the prestige, yeah, but, um, then they will lose their attention and they'll move on to something else. And if they are seriously planning to build a sustainable football league, which right now doesn't seem like it, but, you know, they say they're working on youth teams and all this, that and the other. But when you're throwing, you know, potentially putting a billion pound transfer on Kylian Mbappe to come over and they're willing to let him leave for free after one year. I mean, that's not a sustainable structure. That is a, we want to show, you know, how good we are. We want the best here. We want people, we want all 8,000 fans in the stadium to see how good this is. I mean, because that's the average crowd at Al-Hilal last year was 8,000 in this 50,000 yeah. stadium. And well, they don't need to worry about sustainability, but it ruins the game if they go all out like that. And I saw people on Twitter, and yes, it may have been the uh, the, the Saudis or whatever, Say, oh, but the uh, the European leagues have been doing this for years. Yeah, but we've brought players over. We've built up over decades and generations a football league that people want to play in because it has history. Yeah. And they have, you know, the Brazilians and uh, South Americans go over to Spain and stuff because there is a relationship there, uh, you know, culturally as much as anything. And because the South American leagues don't have the money, the Spanish league, you know, does a bit but we can also nurture our players you're not going to go over to Saudi Arabia and be nurtured as a player you're going to go over there to make some money and play in a substandard football league so what difference is there people are coming over to improve and be the best they can be you go to Saudi you're making a quick buck then you're getting out because you ain't staying around there for anyone listening this isn't an anti-Saudi Arabia tirade going on it's just general discussion because it is sorry well, we can if we want. I mean, we can, I mean, but I mean, I rather, I rather we try and not be. Always, okay, we'll fine. get, we'll get hundreds of those bots on us, and that's that. That's a point I was just going to make. I mean, every single Fulham fucking post at the moment is literally about twelve million 
comments from Saudi Arabian fans of the league with Mitrovic's face and just like everyone's saying Mitro's on fire and it's doing my head in because I don't know I mean some of them have got only two followers I mean most of them have only got two followers it's definitely some sort of weird no, there's of... one guy who's posted the same post under two random things yeah so I'm the, dwar- the dwarf well. club comment yeah yeah yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that a long time. It's it's it's, it's mad. Just going back to what uh, Baldo was saying is that the reason Silva's been picked because I think what they've looked at is who's the best of the rest with the the, the cheapest contract that we can buy out them out from. Because Marcus Silva only had a six million pound release clause. Well, I guess the next thing we need to talk about talking about you know Marcus Silva's contract is the fact that he has actually turned down the Saudi Arabian club's uh, advances. We weren't expecting this at all. I think all of us were in meltdown in all the groups we're in, um, and I'm I'm a bit. I'm not perplexed. I'm I'm thrilled. Um, I mean, he hasn't exactly committed to longer than the year left on his contract, but still, it's it's better than nothing, right, Morgs? Oh yeah. I mean, he was getting off of what twenty million euros a season, I think, for two years. But I think he realised, given the fact he's a relatively young manager, I can't imagine that he's on a poor wage at the moment. And I think this is probably a good bargaining tool for when he speaks to the Khans next about his contract. I think he realised that. If he were to go over to Saudi, he might damage his reputation, or undoubtedly would damage his reputation, and then make him, not unemployable, but make it less likely he'd get picked by uh, another Premier League team, should he, you know, eventually leave Fulham, where he could, you know, if he builds Fulham into a European challenging club, then top four team might take a punt on him. And so from his future, I think... Whereas, you know, in what he might be on three million a year at Fulham at the moment, he could, you know, maybe around that, he could be on a lot more. And I think if he were to go to a top four team, you know, theoretically, he could be on at least 10 million a year. So I think playing the long game, I think he probably realised that it was bad, a bad move for for that. And also just obviously the massive upheaval, uh, massive upheaval you'd face by moving to a country like that. And obviously he's got a team with him. So, you know, he's got to talk to Boa and the other guys. I think when it comes to Silver, a lot of the sort of panic around us was we have seen this before from him. Like, if you see how he was, you know, after he was done with Hull, he jumped quickly to, you know, he jumped quickly to Watford. And then pretty much within a couple of months of being at Watford, he was he was after the Everton job. So that has always, and this was my main concern with Silver when we first appointed him was, yes, I think he's a good manager, but the second an offer comes along, you just do not know what he's going to have. So I think he's done very well. I think he's earned a lot of faith back from the fans in sticking through, or at least looking like he's going to stick through this summer. Mm. And if he doesn't sign, if he doesn't sign a deal, and he you know he, he winds up and goes to the end of the year, so long as he keeps us up, and this goes back to something what you've said, J Mac, is so long as we're as long as we can stay up for one season under the cards, we've got a good foundation to build up for the next couple of years. And, you know, this summer has obviously jolted that a bit because of how things have gone for all the reasons we've discussed, possibly Paulinho as well, um, with all the transfer rumours related to him. Mm. So if we just have to kick it on to next season, even if we go without Marco Silva, and this is going to be his final year, I don't think he will. I think he's going to sign a new deal personally. But if it is, it's a case of he just lets it run down and we are safe, then I think that is effectively his job done. He's got us out of the championship and has established us with two years in the Premier League with, off the top of my head, that'd be 300 million minimum or whatever it is 
for being in the Premier League for two years. Mm. So if he does go then, then you, similar to Mitrovic, you can't really hold too much against it because he's taken us to an extent as far as he can is or is willing to go. But as I said, I think he's earned a lot of people's trust back with how he has handled this summer at the very end. Again, the Mitro stuff, he can't really control. But at least on his end, he's done a lot to say, right, I am sticking through it, at least for the, at least for the short term, foreseeable future. I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. The trust has been repaid from him staying on. But at the same time, a lot of trust has been put into him as well. I mean, this is a guy who was seen as a little bit of a joke when he arrived to us. I think him leaving now would have, even though the job had been done on keeping us up, it's not finished by a long stretch. In terms of what he's creating, Samba Fulham, the Brazilian Portuguese speaking culture going on, you can already see from him staying now. I mean, as soon as William was announced, we sort of hoped that that was what was going to happen with Marcus Silva, but there was a few more tossing and turnings happening but now as soon as this has happened we've already noticed a huge acceleration in transfers it's definitely a very good thing that he's staying on what's hilarious about all of this is sod's law he might be sacked by october <laughs> so you know well, i mean might... uh, hayden mullins has come in i can see him being sort of interim at some uh, probably by you know by christmas <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> So as I was saying, you can already see the acceleration of transfers since Marcus Silva announced he was staying with us. And you have seen the acceleration of transfers such as Bassi. But then out of nowhere, for £5.5 million, just one of those freak things that happens when it was a bit like, I'm trying to think of an example. It was actually a bit similar to when Marcus Silva was linked to us. It just came out of nowhere. Raul Jimenez. Hello. I didn't see that coming at all. And I don't know how exactly I feel about it either, Baldo. My thoughts were, and maybe this is sort of keeping the positivity going from last season, but I think 5.5 million for Raul Jimenez could prove to be, I'm saying could, prove to be the best bit of business we've done. Because I think if he's coming, if the whole Mitrovic thing flutters out and he ends up staying, then we have a pretty solid backup option. You know, whilst Carlos Vinicius is very much a love-hate thing and oh yes he scored against Hamslow Town in the preseason friendly or whatever whilst that is still the case I, th- I would much rather have Raul Jimenez as a backup centre forward than I would Carlos Vinicius or Rodrigo Munez or Jay Stansfield for instance so I think 5.5 minutes for a solid backup is good business if the Mitrovic business does end up going, and even if it's not Al Hilal, if he goes to, like I said, Spurs to replace Harry Kane or whatever, if he goes to Club X, then I think, given what what Marco Silva has done in you know in the way he can create a team around that focal centre forward, we saw how effective Mitrovic was. I'm not saying Jimenez and Mitrovic are the same players, but I think he can quote unquote get the best out of him. So if we have to rely on Raul Jimenez, you know, being our forward for thirty games, because he may not be, he may not play every game, we don't know exactly what the long term effect of his head injury is and all that sort of stuff. But thirty games, I'm not too concerned about that because there is also part of me thinking that I don't want I I don't want us to be no I don't think we're going to be pushing up the table this year. So I don't think it's a case of oh, we've lost Mitrovic, our chance of Europe are gone. I don't think that's going to be it. So I think it's going to be another stabilising year. And Jimenez up top, for me, I think, encompassing with the whole team, I think would be very good. So I think 5.5 million is actually pretty good business, all in all. But there is an argument. Sorry, Bordeaux, but he scored literally 
naff all goals last season. Um, That's why I'm saying part of me is the pos- hopeful positivity that Silver can get better out of him. Yeah. Like no, like Mitrovic under Parker in the championship, you know, first time round, 1920, was, I can't remember how many goals. Then Silver with Mitrovic in the championship, got him up to 43 or however the number was. That's just my, again, it's vague, hopeful optimism more than anything else because I'm optimistic ending the season rather than pessimistic. No good man. Right, so Mr. Negativity's coming in now. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I, you know, law of averages states that a striker can't go two seasons without not scoring uh, or without scoring. So he's going to get one at least. But I think it's an in, it's an interesting signing. I think you know everyone, uh, you know, whatever talk sport, Sky Sports, like, oh, they've signed a replacement for Mitro. It's like, no, they haven't. No. It's a backup. It's definitely a backup. And yeah. It, as you said, it came a little bit out of the blue. It went from, you know, uh, rumour to signing within about sort of 48 hours or whatever it was. But we've always been, as a club, rumours aside, we've always been quite good at keeping transfers close to our chests. In the past, we've, you know, we've always sort of like made signings that, you know, we might have been rumoured to be signing this, that and the other, but we've ended up with, you know, a completely different person. So I'm not shocked that we've signed him. As you say, it might be the case that he needed a fresh start. He's clearly talented as a player. I mean, the injury that he received uh, against Arsenal was horrific. I mean, the guy almost died. And I just hope that he can stay, you know, other injury free and he can just get some of his confidence back. And what that takes, I don't know. And I think Marco has been shown to be an excellent man manager over the last couple of years. So I do believe that he, if anyone's going to get him firing again, I think he's got a good chance of doing it. But also have to remember that the, you know, as you say, he didn't have a good season last year. So if he's our new starter, then I think we're in trouble. But I think, you know, that wouldn't be the case. If Mitro stays, he starts. Uh, If he gets sold, we reinvest that money into bringing mm. someone else in but you know good luck to him i think you know sort of like he's you know from what you know you hear he's a, he's a great guy he's a you know mm. great player he's a, he's a legend in mexico and yeah I it gives think... us a few more fans as well it's already... exactly you know we've replaced the israelis with the mexicans i mean it's uh, like you know it's kind of... love it love it love it and i think i think we just um you know we will we'll get obviously as fans we will get behind him it's, it's a shame because i kind of feel this means the end of uh vinicius just as he's kind of like <laughs> made Scored himself a bit of a goal. hero yeah. yeah and but we might get some money for him i think is the the possible outlook on that i think moon is would probably uh, go out on loan and we we need well we don't need three strikers but then maybe we'll have jimenez uh, Mitro mm. or another, and then maybe someone like Godot or something like that as backup, backup. So my feeling behind this is that I don't think we get Jimenez unless Mitro is 100% off. And I don't think Vinicius is going to leave because I did see a report that Marcus Silva wants three strikers this season. Now, I don't know if that means tactically a change or a switch up, but it also could mean potentially that Mitro is going to be replaced by a striker that is very different to the style of striker that what Jimenez and Vinicius offer. I think instead of maybe less of a target man, maybe someone with a bit more pace. I mean, could you see someone like a Balogun or a Neketia or something like that coming along, either of you? Dwight Gale. I like, 
<laughs> yeah, why not? Let's keep doing that. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be against a Balogun or an or an Inketia. I've been a fan of Inketia for quite up for quite a long time, and I think he's someone who can play wide as well. So if Wilson and or Reed and or Cabano and or William or whatever is injured, you can Cabano. Cabana? Cabana left. Sorry. <laughs> we should actually yeah. talk about that. Really sad he's gone. We all love him. Yada yada. I just don't like you know, we we've we've been we've been out of the loop for a few months, so we didn't actually get to say how much we'll miss Cabana, how sad he's gone. I think but, I, I mean, think he was getting made... married at the time ball though, and he went yeah, to he went to Dubai yeah. or Abu Dhabi or one of them. So yeah, he, he's making a lot of money. He's very happy. He'll be fine, bless him. He'll be all right. Um, but, but yeah, but sorry. Point I stands, in Ketia, in Ketia can play, I believe can play on the wings to give us an extra depth there as well. Yeah. yeah, and Ketia, I wouldn't be against. I haven't seen us linked with him, but I'd like to see it. Not yet. It'll be something quite late, I imagine. And at Balogun, I kind of like the idea of because he's American. I think Inter Milan are trying to get a deal through for him for like 35 million euros with an obligation to buy. So it'll be a loan for free. And then, I mean, that sort of deal would be really ideal for us. But we'll see. I I, I don't know. I know you like Hugo Kuiper's uh, Vorgs and uh, Gift Orban and things oh, like that. Oh, I mean, I would I would give my left arm for Hugo Kuiper's Kuiper's. Uh, and Gift Orban, I would have him in a heartbeat, but he's not ready to start the Premier League yet. But he is yeah. an extraordinary talent. And I think we, if we were able to get him, and I think I would be very surprised if a Premier League team doesn't come in for him this summer. And I know that we were linked with him just at the end of the season. things, But I think if we were able to get him in, he's the guy's 20, 21 years old. And he only joined uh, Ghent in January and scored a shitload of goals in the last few months of the season. I saw him play actually, and he wasn't that great. But um, he, uh, you know, he from other games I've seen him play. It. He I was uh, he was very good. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because this does strike of a of a Tony Card style Moneyball signing of let's get someone you know from the Bel from the Belgian league to to replace Mitch. I can Kuipers though would be good because Kuipers is uh, he scored uh, he was top scorer in the Belgian league, and actually you know. It could be described as a, a bit of a farmer's league. It's, it's actually, having watched it, I watched like four games in one weekend when I was over there. Are you calling Dennis a farmer? Oh, he just plays in the farmer's league. <laughs> 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 but we, uh, you know, it's the, the actual, the physicality of the league over there is actually quite uh, intense. I mean, it's quite old school uh, English football in a way. But, you know, we're sort of seeing someone like Kuiper's you know, do well. A physical striker is probably not a bad one to have, and uh, he's quite young. He's only twenty six, and uh, but he's yeah, he's definitely someone that I would have on the radar if we were to lose Mitro. He'd probably come over and score two goals. I look like an absolute fool, but you know, <laughs> on the face of it, seems like seems like quite a good idea. So the other deal that you've got accelerating at the moment is uh, Calvin Bassey, who was at Rangers, was very highly regarded when he was there. Went to Ajax and not so much had the best praise from Ajax fans apparently but a left-footed centre-back who can play left-back uh, Baldo I'd say this looks like actually quite a shrewd signing I think all the hipsters on Twitter are quite liking this and I've got to say I think I do too um, he, he looks like someone that potentially could actually be a player that's a, a sign of maybe a, an adap adaptation of tactics with Marcus Silva I don't want to annoy Morgs and talk about inverted fullbacks and the like I don't want to talk about you know all, all these I won't do any of that but I'm just saying like that there is something there that maybe maybe a, a player who can 
be a th- like a centre back and a free at the back system when we're off or on the ball that kind of thing just it, it looks like an interesting signing to me I think that's true I think that's arguably what he's being brought in more for is we still don't know what um, you know, what Tim Ream has left what Tim Ream has left in the tank so it could be that this you know this year is one year too you know one year too many for him um, and then he comes in as the he comes in as the Tim Ream replacement we don't you know Anthony Robinson last year. Whilst he was very reliable, but who was the who was the op, who was the uh, option behind him? Um, Kazawa or Kawaza? I can't remember. He was that he was that forgettable. Other than the FA Cup games for some reason. Um, but yeah, if and then you know if, if Anthony Robinson is injured, suspended or whatever, then we have a left back option. As you say, it could be that maybe you know you mentioned about um, changing uh, tactically. Uh, with the forwards so maybe we're going two up top maybe that's a three five two or whatever so we get three center backs and we bring him in as, as you say the left side of center back. there could i think he's just an option for depth and i think yeah. it's going to be very good i think it's a good deal all round i think i'm not a massive fan of three five two five three two whatever you want to call it but i think given the fact we've just played a whole season playing the what is it the four two three one formation without changing it up i think it's only natural that there is a backup option. And I think, you know, I assume Silver's keeping his cards close to his chest because there was no change to the formation in the first preseason game. But I do think, you know, if he were to have another bit of a uh, tinker with the team and was to sort of, you know, give it a go, then it's a way of, you know, having that plan B. Because... You know, I don't think we really had one last year and we just seem to play very well with our plan A. And I think it would, you know, getting players in like uh, Shirley, it would have sort of, you know, the ability to change it up without confusing the players. You know, we're not going to be playing Mbabu at left back again because we don't need to. But, you know, if, uh, you know, Bassi can come in and play left back, centre back, left side of the three centre-backs, it's good to have that sort of dynamic available. We're still linked with that other left-footed centre-back called Murato, who's the uh, Benfica guy. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on with that. I, I still find it weird that we're going for two centre-backs with a left foot, but I mean, at the end of the day, we had about two or three centre-backs last season who with a right foot. I mean, you know, Duffy, for instance, who never played. So maybe, well, I don't think there's any problem there, really. Uh, just We just need the depth, like you were saying. And in terms of other transfers that seem to be accelerating, I don't really know. There's nothing else, but there is a lot more to do, um, of course. And I think things will be chugging along quite quite fast now. One thing I would say, I'm actually very surprised that Rhoda hung around so far. I kind of thought we'd be linked with the, a kind of a backup goalkeeper and Rodat be heading off to a championship team or a European team. But but if he, I think, you know, perhaps he's always willing to stay as number two. Maybe his relationship with Leno is such that he thinks he's learning from him and benefiting from it. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised after all the chat last year about him being upset about being number two again after the championship season that he's still here. But we do seem to be sort of, I mean, we were linked with, well, we've been linked with a couple of midfielders, haven't we? On um, Andre, Fred... Fred, well, I, I still think Fred would be a good signing if we were to bring him in. And obviously, uh, I think we'll probably talk about it next, but uh, Zhao's injury uh, yeah. it could be something that keeps him out for a, you know, a, you know, up to probably eight weeks or so, really. He could miss the start of the season with it if it's a particularly bad one that needs any form of surgery. 
And so I think having a Premier League experienced uh, defensive midfielder in place is probably pretty important. What I would say is you could make the argument that Jao Polino's injury came at the perfect time because that might be enough for West Ham to say, no, let's push off. Because if, because if he's not going to be there for the start of the season, um, which, again, which again, he could, could be, we still don't know the full details, but that might just be enough for them to say, we're going to look elsewhere. I'm going to disagree with that. I think when you sign, if they're willing to put that much money forward for Polina, they're looking long-term. And a few, it's not like he's done his ACL or had like a yeah. compound fracture in his leg. That's that's one of those injuries. It's a shit happens injury. And I think they would be signing him on a long-term contract if they were to get hold of him. Like we did. We've got him on a five-year contract. The guy's not going anywhere for less than 90 no. million at this point. But I don't think I don't think a small injury like that would put him put them off. No, I don't think so. I also want to just add really quickly. I find that a separated shoulder sounds so much worse than a dislocated shoulder. Separated sounds like it's not coming back. We'll, we'll talk about that game now. Uh, we'll talk about that game. There's nothing really more concrete on transfer related. So we'll talk about the the three two. It's always three two at the moment. The three two win against Brentford. I really enjoyed watching this. I know it doesn't mean anything, but I mean there were just elements of it that I really did. I mean I know the the pitch looked dry as hell. I mean I'm not trying to be Jurgen Klopp here, but it looked really really bad, and the ball was moving so slowly. But I will say it was it was interesting to watch. I thought we all looked really good. I mean I thought that the football we were playing was really really good on the eye as usual like it was last season and I I thought Brentford actually looked like they were just looking to counter whenever they could like actually to be honest what Brentford really are merchants for. There is always with any sort of result you know a 3-2 win arguably to me means as much as a 3-2 loss. Like it is all about you know, bring out the cliches it's all about getting minutes in the legs and still trying to work things out and you know if if any of this Mitrovic no if Mitrovic was wasn't being talked about in the press he would have started he would have started so they would have so no so how much of it can you really can you really factor in again the Alpalina injury kind of messes things up a bit he was having to play at centre half so I'm not really buying anything into the result other than the fact that oh Harry Wilson can still score goals from outside the box because that's been missing from his game particularly particularly last season. Um, so yeah, just a couple of couple of nice goals, but I'm arguably paying more attention to what we're doing like in later in the preseason rather than rather than the first one. I, I think with these games, they uh, the build up to it is so much because obviously they're appealing to the American audience. They are uh, there's a lot of pomp and ceremony around what is essentially the first preseason game. You know, back in the day, we would have played this against Aldershot or something like that, and the fact that it's a you know, a way of appealing to the US market is made up to be more than it is. And that's, you know, there's nothing against the people going to watch these games and because it's great to be able to see the teams that you follow or whatever in the flesh. But what we saw on Sunday was a team who looked like they were very well drilled. I think there was a, you know, the obvious defensive frailties. It slowed down towards the end because it was baking hot in Philadelphia and I think you know there was a lot of Brentford pressing and us dealing with that quite comfortably it seemed at times so I think when you look at the performance and the run out it was it was great and I think it was it was great for 
you know, in the first half for Harry and Bobby to get on the score sheet, especially in the way they did. And it was a great goal for Vinny as well. I think the, uh, the, the goals that we conceded were a bit uh, careless, but Indeed. these happen. And hopefully the Villa game, I guess it's tonight, isn't it? Based on when we're recording. Um, that'll be a sterner test because I think Villa are a very good team. They've got a, a couple more games under their belt. And it's, you know, it is just about the run out at this point. You can't garner anything from pre-season if they're looking sharp. You know, the yeah. performances are what they are. You're juggling with players. You haven't got your full squad in there. We saw some great performances from some of the young kids. Um, the young defender, the Figueroles. Figueroles. Yeah. Figueroles. Figure yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he looked great. <laughs> he did. No, he was fantastic. Yeah, but he's not going to play this season. He'll, he'll get loaned out to a League One side or a championship team. Uh, hopefully no, a championship no. team. I think it's... Um, right. You know, we saw Idris again, and he, uh, you know, he. Um, we remember last preseason, he was brilliant, and he went out on loan to somewhere in Scandinavia, I think, or something like that. And you know, you look at some of these. Well, maybe, maybe, well, maybe it was National League. I can't remember. But the the fact is, we're seeing some of these players who are just getting experience with the first team, and it's great that they get integrated. It's very good for their education as footballers to be brought in, but. You know, a lot of this team we won't see again until next preseason, and maybe they're ready for the step up. So, I think it was a great, it was a good result. It was great for the fans who were there to see it, and I think from a confidence point of view, to get that first uh, first game done with a win is brilliant. But now, next game tonight, next uh, the game after that against Chelsea, is it? Are we playing Chelsea? Yeah. And then Hoffenheim the week before the season. Those, you know, you build up, don't you? So yeah, it will be uh, it will be an interesting next uh, couple of games, and hopefully we'll get a couple more players through the door as well that we can at least have on the pitch for the Hoffenheim game prior to the season starting. What I will say now is, uh, I mean, I've got other news here. We've got FST meeting, more stairs in a hammy end. That's, you know, great. The bogs are still shit. That's fine. Um, we got, what else? Uh, but more stairs, though. I mean, you know, great. Stairs, We've got yeah. those. Yeah. yeah, the stairs are great. You know, less 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 bodies in the way. That's great. Um, we've got screens showing us VAR in a hammy end for the people that can't see. That's great. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It's not hammy end. It's the Johnny Haynes stand. Johnny Haynes. Okay. Yeah, well yeah. Played. Hooray yeah. for the Johnny Hayes then. That's great. And um, what else have we got? Um, well, we can talk about the new kit. What do you think of the new kit, Paul, though? Um, the new kit, I quite, I quite like it. It's a bit of a throwback to me in the uh, 05 06 season, just because of the fact there was two different coloured sleeves. You had on one arm, you had the, right, uh, the red stripe, and the thing you had the black stripe. That's a throwback for anyone who remembers the Pipex days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I quite I quite like the you know, I haven't seen it in person. Uh, I haven't seen it in person yet. Um still I'm ignoring whether or not to buy just because cost of everything. I didn't buy any shirts last season, for instance, just because with everything going on I couldn't justify seventy quid for a shirt. Yeah. I was waiting for the end of the season for it to come down to like a ten, ten pounds or something. But then when it did, the they didn't have any of my size, so I thought screw it. So I think until there's something that actually takes my breath away. I don't think I'm going to be buying any more Fulham kids, but I do like the look of this one. I, I love the look of it. I mean, I didn't buy one last season, and I'm almost convinced that we stayed up because I didn't do it. So I, I don't think I'm going to buy this one. <laughs> so we'll I see. mean, that's a hell of a reasoning. 
Oh, mate, you, you do not want to step into my OCD brain. It's terrifying. It's really, really bad. I mean, we've got a, a pink kit on the way. I don't know when that's being released. Something with a bit more panaz. I can see you. Has that actually been? Yes. Well, it looks like it. Other than our WhatsApp chat. Do you know what? I mean, I get why we'd have a pink kit because the uh, the pink training shirt last season must have been the biggest seller uh, that we've ever yeah. had for a training shirt, and the mint kit was so awful. And we had such a bad record in it, they'll probably get as far away from that as possible. You know, I'm happy to buy a pink kit. I think the one that was rumoured, the one that electric pink with the black kind of thing, looked brilliant in my eyes. My but God, that was too. That was like. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, oh, no. that looked like a Pat Butcher sex party. That looked absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's that not, that's kind of that's 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 my fancy. Uh, so, but it was you know something like that. But you know it's not going to be because these Adidas kits are so dull. Like they are, they're so. You just need to go and look at another team's away kit, and you know what it's going to be like in terms of how it's looked. They're all identikits, and I can't yeah. wait until we don't have Adidas anymore because they're so boring. Like yeah. I kind of just, you know, I, I kind of like Castore or you know, Hummel keeps going out of business every ten minutes and then releasing a new kit. It's but weird, then, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, really I want, weird. I, I want uh, Under Armour before I die. I want one. I think Under Armour, no, they kind of, you can buy their stuff in Sports Direct for like a fiver, and I think they've kind of like lost the plot a bit. No, I but, they did They did the Spurs kit a couple of years ago, and I quite liked it. So I yeah, I don't want anything related to Spurs. I want Under Armour. <laughs> no. You, do you really want Under Armour? It's generally skin tight. I do. Yeah, I <laughs> Under Armour, and they also, did the, they also did the Welsh rugby team, and they had some pretty nice kits, so that's why I'd stick with Under Armour personally. Again, I, right, want I want anyone apart from Adidas at this point. I think there are some really nice kits out there. I, yeah, I, I don't ordinarily buy them, but it's like I think it would be nice to have a cool, uh, slightly unique kit. And I, we're never going to get that with Adidas. But I think uh, a pink kit this season would be great. If you want a unique kit, we go back to Airness. Why not that? But they went quickly out of business, I think. So I don't think they actually existed as a company. <laughs> <laughs> all right well look guys thank you very much it's really good to see you again it's been too long and what i will say is we will absolutely be back next week with a season preview with a couple of co-hosts maybe even three actually it'll be good fun and thank you for listening we appreciate you listening when there are so many full outlets up there at the moment and we'll be back next week like i say if you like what you hear please tell your friends about us we're on all the social media outlets leave us a review even give us a five-star review for all our amazing efforts and all our amazing music that we like to insert anyway thank you very much and we'll speak to you soon thanks Fulham